0: I should have said starting five because I think Mount Rushmore is only four.
1: That's impressive, you know that.
0: I went to Duke for for about four months, but in those four months, (laughs) I I, I, I learned quite a bit, man. I took (laughs) ping pong and a bunch of other great electives that got me through. (laughs) what's up everybody hope everybody's staying safe uh through these uh trying times uh welcome to go off presented by uninterrupted i am your host uh austin rivers i got my producer with me td as you all know what's happening austin yeah i don't know if they know man because we've only done this like what three times this is episode four <laughs> right correct 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 this is only episode four in the past 600 days so uh we're, we're, we're long overdue man i've actually had a a lot of requests to, to put more of these out there and uh have been delaying this due to a variety of reasons, but it's time. It's time. Yeah, man, we got to do this. So what's the, what's the update? What's the plan now that we're back now that you're back. It's your show. What's the plan now for the OG subscribers and the new listeners too. What's the plan? Yeah. For all the new listeners and, and OG subscribers uh, the plan is now for the next four weeks, at least is to put one episode out per week uh, to get a guest on here every week, start getting some consistency with this podcast. This is something that we have been planning to make boom and, and, and put out there more. And uh, I, unfortunately have not been able to do, but the time is now, Uh, especially with all that's going on. I think this is a good idea and uh, something that needs to be done. You're going to mention the guests. I'm I'm going to wait for you to do that. But let's just say that I'm excited as this particular guest because it's someone I can actually ask on how to get you to show up. (laughs) Right, right, right. Uh, I got I got I got no excuses for this one. Uh, And uh, yeah, this is definitely a a, a VIP friend, family member, however you want to call it. uh, Someone I'm closest to. Uh, and that is my father. Uh, what 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 better way to, I think, come back uh, with uh, this podcast than to uh, start with him? Obviously, he knows me better than anybody and vice versa. So uh, there's a lot that we uh, are going to get into. And I hope uh, all the listeners out there and new listeners are, are, are going to love this. To keep it all the way real with everybody uh, and just to, to be 100% honest, uh, we're going to cover some topics today that me and my father actually have never really publicly, uh, you know, talked about. And honestly, even between me and him, I've never really gotten to great detail uh, about it. You know, we're going to talk about obviously the obvious topics of, of dealing with this pandemic going on, the lockdown in the NBA, uh, our relationship during and after the Clippers days, uh, you know, his playing days versus MJ and in, in the last dance, his his opinions on that, the NBA then versus now. Uh, and then we're going to get in some fun questions for everybody to listen to. I'd love to uh you know these are topics that i actually am mad that i haven't gone uh, over enough with him and and that's his top five you know his hardest players to guard uh you know coaching versus playing and a variety of other topics so uh, we're gonna get into this and this is is gonna be a great episode all right so let's do it it's the uh it's the rivers man and we're about to go off All right, man. So, what's up, Doc?
1: <laughs> what's up, Austin? How you doing? Man,
0: it's, uh, I've been my, good. My just boy.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, going going through it like you. Uh, I'm trying to think the last time me and you talked, or we saw in person, um, might have been uh, the last time we played.
1: Yeah, but you wasn't that happy at the end, I remember. If my <laughs> memory serves me right. But. No, I yeah, that was we've talked on the phone a lot, but right. The last time I saw you was um, I think we had won by like I don't even know thirty or forty. I don't even. You did not what win by. Was. You did not
0: win by forty. <laughs> <laughs> you did not win by forty points. I can assure you that. All I know is the series is what's it two
1: two. I don't remember because if I'm not winning, you know, I, I, I my memories uh, doesn't serve me fair enough correctly. But I do think it's two two. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, what? How, how have you been? How's lockdown? Just so people have an idea of what you've been going through uh, as a coach and uh, whatnot.
1: Well, lockdown's been good. I mean, obviously, I check on you guys, uh, on you and your brothers and sisters and your mom and the family, everybody um, a lot. Uh, check on my players a lot. I think it's really important uh, that we stay in contact with our players as much as we can. Uh, we do zoom sessions, uh, with them where we bring on celebrities. Um, you know, we had, uh, different guys, different celebrities. Mike Tyson was on, uh, you know, Peyton Manning was amazing. Um, you know, um uh, we got, uh, Michael Phelps later on today talking to the team. So we're doing a lot of stuff. Uh, we're trying to get, make sure everybody's wow. working out, you know, as much wow. as possible.
0: Is it true that Balmer got everybody uh, Peloton equipment, like Peloton bikes and treadmills?
1: Yeah, everybody was shipped uh, Peloton bikes uh, or just uh, spin bikes, uh, treadmills, uh, weights. We created a workout room for every single player uh, in their own home. That has to be, I I would imagine
0: that has to be way more than anybody else has has done in, in the NBA. I haven't heard anything like that uh within the NBA. I, I don't no, think I, you was... know. No, I think it's
1: funny. We don't know, but it's funny. Lawrence Frank, you know, and you know L, um, he's always thinking out of the box and ahead and he did we did it right away. We did it within the first week of uh the shutdown because we were concerned that if we waited there would be a run on on bikes and and treadmills, so we, right. you know obviously that's what's great about having an owner like Steve. I mean, he, right. he will allow you to do things like that.
0: Right? Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. We uh we uh have um, voluntary uh, yoga sessions at ten a.m. on Zoom, so. You guys, are, you, guys, you guys are quite uh, far ahead of us, man. Y'all got special guests and, and Pelotons and, and, and bikes. I, talking to Seth, who's with Dallas and, and a bunch of other players and other teams, everybody's kind of going to the same thing we are. So you guys are definitely ahead of the curve. I, I remember speaking to you saying, uh, you know, when we come out of this, um, the team that has the most collective guys who have took this time seriously and in shape is going to be a team that has the best chance of winning. You still believe that?
1: Yeah, I do. I think it's important, uh, at least at the beginning of you know, because we don't know how when we come out of this, we don't know how many days uh, we're going to have to work out. We also right. don't know how many games we may go straight into the playoffs. Uh, right. That's going to be a that's going to be a problem.
0: Well, have you been talking to you? You've been talking to your players even outside of the Zoom stuff. You've been talking to Quai, PG, all these guys.
1: Yeah, I talk to Kawhi and PG. I try to talk to each guy like once a week. I, I don't think you guys want to talk to us very often. You know, enough. You know you you talk, to, you know, you know, what I mean? Like, right, I get right. it. I was a player. It's nice talking to your coach, just having some contact. Right. But you don't want to spend two hours a day with him either. So I try right. to walk that fine line on being in contact, but not being overbearing. Well,
0: I, I think it also depends on how uh, much of a player coach you are. Uh, and you're actually one of the better players. Are probably the best player coach in the NBA, um, staying in touch with your guys. Obviously, we got a guy like Mike, uh, who's a little bit older, just checks in here and there. Um, but it, it's interesting to see what other teams have been doing. Uh, you guys definitely seem like you guys are ahead of the curve by far and uh, how you guys are staying in touch and staying active. Uh, from all the ideas that have been thrown around uh, with this, us coming back, what what, what do you see happening? And what, do you, what would you like to happen? Which one do you think is the best one, whether it's us going to Vegas or Orlando?
1: And, man, I've heard all kinds of things. Obviously, if we're going to have to go somewhere, Orlando would be easier for at least you and I uh, (laughs) because that's where we're from. Yeah, that that would be a dream come true. That that would be pretty nut.
0: It'd be like AAU all over again for me in the milk house, man.
1: That's what I told someone. I said, I lived in the the milk house watching you play and Jeremiah play and Spencer play, so I'm used to that. I said, Austin would have a home court advantage because he's been there so much.
0: I don't know if any player in the NBA, I would actually be willing to bet there is not a single player in the NBA that's put more buckets in the milk house than I have. I, I there's no. no way, there's no way. No doubt.
1: Well, you've done it since you've been in the yeah, third I, grade. Right. You know? I've had so, it and I've, yeah. That's
0: where all my tournaments have been. So I, I'm almost positive that, uh, I would have the upper, you know, probably the advantage in that one.
1: Um, but I, I'd say this, the best format and, and listen, none of this is been approved or talked about even because every day things change. Uh but I think the best format is would be have a play in for the seventh and eighth spot. So seven, eight, nine, and ten have a uh, tournament where they're yep. playing in for those last two spots. The yep. other six teams in both conferences who've qualified during that time could practice. Right. You know, and then once the seven and eight is decided, we start the playoffs. Uh I, I think it'd be very difficult for a non-playoff team, a team that's way out, to come back and play five or six games. I mean, you know they're not right. working out. They're, they're right. way more worried about next year.
0: Right, right. That's what I was wondering if we're going to come back and at least try to, because it's the 70 games thing, right, for the TV deal that they're trying to get to?
1: Yeah, I don't know if they are <laughs> anymore. I don't think they really care. I just think they feel like if you play four or five exhibition games or regular season games, it gets you ready for the playoffs a little bit right. more. I just don't think uh, that it can work because of the non-playoff teams. I just can't imagine being one of those teams right now. Right, They're not working out, they're not practicing. They're, they're thinking about next year already.
0: Right, 100%. Obviously, as you know, and as everybody knows, I play for the Rockets. Uh, to transition into this real quick, I would like to ask you this: What is your breakdown of Austin Rivers' scouting report? What, what is my scouting report? Because like oh, we, no, we're no, we very, we're very, we're very likely to. There is a high chance that we either going to play you or the Lakers or somebody in the playoffs. I would imagine. Uh, I would love to hear this.
1: Well, I have a, the best scouting report of anybody on you. I mean, I've only I've seen. You know what? I've seen you play more than any other human being. Uh, let's just start there. So uh, number one, uh, and I'm not going to give it all to you, uh, but I know in one of the, I think it's the left corner. Um, you shoot 60% from the three in one of the corners. You're not getting that shot against us. We, we know what corner it is. We're just not going to allow that pass to you. All right. Uh Open court, we try to take advanced passes because we know if you get an advanced pass, uh, the one thing you have, your first step is is lethal. So we're going to try to take that away from you. And then the last thing is going right. You know, you have that great <laughs> right to left. You have that great right to left crossover. So we, we try to play for that. But then the right hand, we try to take that away as much as possible um, because you're good at going right.
0: The one thing you guys do have is a plethora of uh, elite defenders in that one yes. lineup, and you guys have uh, Kawhi and uh, Paul and Pat. Uh, it's interesting for you guys. I, you know, I, I've obviously I watch your team close. I watch all the great teams, especially teams I feel like we might have a chance of playing. Um, you know, your end of the game lineups in the playoffs are going to be very interesting because Pat is y'all's best defender. But if you have Pat out there, you know, where do you fit in, Lou? who was obviously one of the best closers in the game of basketball. And now that you have uh, uh, Marcus or Marquise Morris, um, you know, who's added a whole, because you guys guarded us different than anybody prior to, uh, you know, you guys started something. We, right when we played y'all team started copying you, we went on like a four game skid there. Uh, You guys were guarding us this, like this little box. And then y'all went, one on one with James kind of forcing him to, to shoot tough shots. Um, But but we
1: have the ability uh, to do that because of Kawhi, Pat, and and PG. They are all three are elite, and so uh, and Kawhi being the elite of the elites. So it does give us a chance to guard more one on one, and then then being in help because if you can do that uh, defensively, you're good. You know, you're really good,
0: right? Um, And actually, this actually transcends perfectly to my next topic, just because. Uh, obviously, you know my game better than anybody else. That being, obviously, you being my father, growing me up, growing up, uh, watching me play. Uh, but I think above anything else, you coached me uh, for about three and a half, almost four years. I would say. Yeah. Uh, I, I would like to just talk about that because uh, I don't think me and you personally have never openly talked about that, especially to the public. Uh, we've always did sound bites and interviews uh, individually. Take me back to that to that moment. You know, you know, two thousand what fourteen, fifteen. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just talk about the trade. Uh, you know the good things. You know, were, were you nervous? Your your expectations? Um, obviously, was it? You know, probably a little un, unsettled feeling. You know, what 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 was going through your mind then?
1: Well, you know me. Uh, listen, I I didn't know. Like, it's funny. I've never had a dream of coaching my kids. I've always right. wanted to be the parent. Like, just kind of watch uh, critique, right. send you Texas. Hey, Austin, I think you need to do this more. You need to do that more. Uh, but Dave Wool really kept pushing it. Like he had been pushing it for a good three to four months, even before the season, he thought it would be a good idea. And you know, the first thing is I never, I honestly, cause I didn't look back at the history. I never knew that it hadn't been done before. I actually thought that, uh, uh, Georgia coach Kobe and Kobe played a lot, uh, Carl. And I thought it happened right. a couple of times. Having said that, once I did it, and this is what I mean by you know me, once I make a decision on something and decide, I don't ever look back at what could happen. Right. I look at, yeah. I look at what we could do, you know, like what's the positives of it. And listen, so when I brought you in, um, it was different. It, it was strange. Uh, as you know, we, we didn't have the closest team <laughs> in the locker room. Right. I got thrown into the craziest.
0: Bro. It, for the people who don't know, like on the outside looking in, everybody's like, oh, it had to be so easy. You know, da-da-da-da-da-da. First off, nobody, and just like you said, you've never dreamed of being, coach. you know, of coaching, you know, your, your son. I Never in my wildest imagination did I think I was going to make the NBA and, and, and play for you. I always thought it was going to be a thing where it would be fun we compete against each other you know, vice versa. Uh, And then um, that situation happens and I'm thrown in on a team and obviously I'm not going to name individuals, but there were some guys on that team that, you know, I mean, it it was not the easiest situation to be placed in.
1: No, it's not. It's not easy for anyone on that team. Like, you know that it was just a, it was, unfortunately you, you got thrown into a really funky locker room, which happens in our league, but what put more spice on it, then you're my son as well. Right, right. exactly.
0: And And you said it perfectly. It wasn't easy on anybody. Uh, Because if that was any team, even a good team, a great, you know, team with great morale, obviously we were a great team, but the morale wasn't the best. But even a team that was perfect, you know, which is no such thing, uh, you know, anytime a, a coach's son is in the locker room, it's just different. You know what I mean? It's just different. And that's something I've never been, I've never been in that role. My entire life, I've always... I've never been the coach's son. I've just, I've always had a dad who was a coach and I was his son, but I was never the coach's son on his team. Uh, So that situation for me was just every time I came in the locker room, every time I came to practice, I didn't know if guys were as open with me or not talking, you know, about certain things that they talk about with others. And I I knew what it was, you know what I mean? It wasn't, but at the time and where I was in my career, I I had no time or energy to even focus on those things. It was more so about me establishing myself and, and, and trying to be the player that, or, or, or be a solid, consistent player in the league that people thought I could be in the first place. Um,
1: yeah, it's it's tough too, Austin. Because I, um, my thing was like you were joining a team, and I, you know, I was every team's different. And that team, I was in the championship mode of that team. Like, you know, so I was, I was tough not on you, but I was tough right. on you as well. But I was a very demanding coach with that group, mainly because when you got a group that doesn't want to connect then as a coach, you got to push more, you know, you got to get involved more and you're also going to upset more. That means more guys aren't going to be filling you. And I could care less. Like, uh, I was like at the point, by the time you got there, I'm going to force it and make us fit or we're not going to work, but I'm not just going to allow us to fall apart. Uh, and so you, unfortunately, when we traded for you, you were in the height of that, which (laughs) had to be very, very
0: difficult. Even in saying this, uh, some of the positives that you know, I, I, I there's because there's way more than negatives. Yeah, uh, there, you know the negatives. A lot of it was out of our control, whether it was media or other players. You know, they're, they're, like anything, there's going to be your good people and there's going to be some. Quite frankly, excuse my language, there's going to be dickheads. You know, and that's in any industry or any business that you're in. There's going to be people who people who make things great, people people who try to you know sour a situation. But uh, the positives, so much for me, uh, outweigh the negatives. Um, I mean, we got to do something. Uh, and again, I'm with you prior to my acknowledgement. I didn't know that had never been done before. Um, and besides all of that stuff, I, I think me and you became a lot closer because prior to that, our relationship obviously was father, son, but it was mostly, you know, coach, son. Like we talked about basketball most of the time, you know, when we talked yeah. grown up, you know what I mean? And I think it's crazy that when you became my actual coach, we started to actually talk about other things than basketball because obviously every day I went to work, you were my coach anyway. So then after yeah. that, you didn't have to be that anymore. Um, and I think that changed our relationship. Uh, so that if I had to take one thing that I'm most thankful for, for that time, it's probably that. Um, yeah, that I, I agree. That.
1: I agree because, you know, I, I pretty much I left the Boston. And I think you were going to be a uh, I don't know, maybe a freshman in the high school or eighth grade. And so yeah. uh, that from that point on, I saw you in the summers, you came up a lot. To Boston. Um, you know, you had the, the hilarious, uh, one on one games with Kevin and, <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <laughs> Ooh, that. and Paul yeah. and all those guys. But what I loved about our relationship, um, as coach, when I got to coach you, we used to have great talks then. Like it was more about non basketball. I coach you all day. So right. it's funny. I thought then when we talked on the phone about something, it usually was non basketball. It was more about life and and you know you were you were a grown man now and so it was um it's the best thing that has happened to me in our relationship it it, uh and now i think it's even better because now that we've gone through that uh we talk all the time we communicate all the time it's easy um so yeah i I definitely think
0: that's easier now i mean obviously it's way easier on both of us obviously because, uh, again, we enjoyed it so much, but it, it was a lot. You know, it was a lot for both of us, especially me and opposing arenas every time I'd play. It, it was just a lot to handle, which also made it more fun for me in a weird way. I, I did like that. But, uh, you know, now that we've gone through all that, it, it's just so much easier. Um, but it's it's only easier and better now because we had those those great experiences.
1: Um, no, it's been great. And the only negative part of it was you, you got negative uh, attention because – you know, it's just like anything when a father and a son are on the same running the same company. Uh, the son uh, got it because of this, you know, which is. And that's that's you know, what drive, drove me crazy. Yeah.
0: People would say like, oh, you know, it's, I, I, even people who try to be nice would be like, you know, it's no different than when a dad hires his son at a, uh, yeah. at, at, a at a law firm. I said that there's, it's not the same thing. Exactly. I, I, said, I, I you can't be given an NBA job. I, I go, I got drafted. No. I go, you know. If your dad owns a, is a CEO of a company, he could hire his son and place him in whatever position he wanted.
1: I agree. It's not like like you were the number one, number two, number three player in high school coming out. Uh, you were the most highly recruited uh, player in the country. You, Anthony Davis, and Bradley Beal, and a couple other guys. I had nothing to do with that. You got drafted by New Orleans. I had nothing to do with that. You know, the only time I had camp in involved, got involved, is when we traded for you. You're right. already in the NBA, so uh, all that w- was was just noise. And I think, I think at the end of the day, it's it was a good lesson for you. Number one, uh, you do like being a villain a little bit. Like you went yeah. to Duke, uh, JJ Reddick. You know, JJ is very similar. Right. Uh, I think there's a group of guys who they don't mind. It, it right. actually turns you on. Michael Jordan is very similar. Like, oh, you needed that in some ways because it got you going. Uh, but you know, on the other end of it, uh, most of it was garbage. It, it allowed you to be a target, but that's okay. Like, um, you know, we're all targets in some ways right. and, and you turn it into a positive, you, you, you drown out the noise when you need to, um, and, and then you just go on with your life.
0: Right. Yeah. No, it was, it was, it was definitely a lot of that and. um, Again, I agree. It is it, it, negative as it was, or because you know, everybody's human. So you know, you you ignore, you ignore. But sometimes things touch you. Um, yeah, they do. But 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 at the end of the day, uh, the the competitive drive that it, it brought out of me, whether it was my first time in the playoffs, where that's where I really kind of broke out as a player versus Houston. Actually, funny enough, um, you know, that's that that that's what drove that. And then what what happens is anytime you're faced with that type of negativity, obviously you've been through it many more times than I have. Uh, you, you have an opportunity to where if you overcome it, you can turn it, you know what I mean? Like yes. you can turn it to where like people actually end up saying, oh, okay, you know what I mean? And that's kind of what I was. I I felt like I, I was faced with that so much and then I kind of turned it a little bit with the first playoffs. And then more so when I had the I game, I think people really realized how much I love basketball and how oh, I could hoop, you know what I mean? I'm just not some kid who's just out here for the heck of it. I, you know, I could actually play basketball. Um, And that was something that, Uh, because prior to that, people had known that. But, you know, you get to the league and you know better than I do. It is such a what have you done for me now world we live in um, to where people could care less about what I was in high school or college or what I got drafted by. It's what have you done for me lately?
1: That's true. And and I will say this like from afar now. And I've told you this personally, but I'm so proud of watching you now uh, because when I got you and even in New Orleans, you're still trying to find who you were. Right, and you, and that's every young player goes through that struggle. They're trying to find out what they are, who they are. Now you've become a really solid, like, role player on any good basketball team because you, you, you're willing to, to to guard the guys. You know, you move the ball. You can attack. You can score. Uh, but you've really like your game has grown in, in so much in the last four years. It's been amazing to watch, and it's more to me. Your mental game, the talent and all that have already been there. Uh, But you become a hell of a teammate. Like, it's just fun to watch from afar, Uh, you know, watching you and James, watching you and Russell. Uh, Now, I watch two ways. I watch as a proud father and and watch your growth. And then I'm also looking at how we're going to beat you. You know, we have to look at it (laughs) that way as well. So it's funny. I have to look at both ways.
0: Y'all not beating us. (laughs) Y'all not beating us.
1: Oh well, I, we we match
0: we match up perfectly with y'all to where I feel like if there's any team, I just think we match up better with you guys better than any than better than anybody in the NBA. I, that's just how I feel. Although last time we played, you didn't go too well for us, but still, I still I still feel <laughs> this way. As you know, the whole world has been captivated by this uh, Last Dance documentary. It's awesome. It, it is incredible. Uh, it's the best docuseries I've ever seen, along with, I, I, personally, my favorite is the Dream Team documentary uh, docuseries. I think that's the the best, uh, I think it was a 30 for 30. Yeah. Um, I think that's the best basketball documentary I've ever personally seen. But uh, this this Last Dance is so, uh, not only captivating due to the timing of this, because we're all sitting at home watching it, but just due to what it's about. You know, Michael has so much about him and Scotty and Rodman, but like, they're going in depth of who they are as a character and, and everything. we're getting footage that we've never seen before. Uh, it's been crazy. I, I would like to talk about obviously last episode, or I mean, just all the episodes, but last episode we saw uh, a lot of footage of the Knicks games. Um, and you guys were one of the very few teams to push them to seven. I, I would love to talk about, you know, the NBA then versus now, but first I want to talk about just your battles versus Jordan. Yeah, that,
1: that, that you know, honestly, that, that opened up old wounds watching that for me. And I'm not joking. I was like, we were up 2-0 uh, against the Chicago Bulls. No one had yeah. been up 2-0. Uh, and it's good to get it confirmed. They saw us as their major threat. Like, I know, you know, that Phoenix series was tough, but I think they believed that they could get through us. They could win it, They could win their sixth or their third title at that point. And we believed we were going to win that series. We got 2-0. I, I, I swear, Austin, that we had four days off between game two and three, and Jesus. for four days, Michael had to hear about his gambling and about that stuff. And I remember even back then us saying, "Oh man, all they're doing is pissing this dude off." They just we we got to be ready for Michael onslaught in game three, right? Um, and he he killed us in game three and four. But what what I will say, watching it, is and I see the biggest difference is how players we would act stars. Like we back then we weren't trying to be your friend. Me and Michael up into that New York series, we had a pretty darn good relationship. And it changed after that, that because yeah. it had to. And and it's not because you don't like him or he didn't like right. you. Maybe it's because man, back then we felt like you had to get yourself there mentally to be able to be the best. Right. And and so, but that series hurt me, man. Uh, You know, they showed the Charles Smith, the the, the three missed layups. Uh, See, I
0: always thought they were missed layups. I always thought they were missed layups, but he was getting a shot block, though, it seemed like. No, Uh,
1: exactly. I think that's, you're exactly right. Everybody always talks
0: about him blowing layups, but, I mean, there's like five guys around him.
1: Yeah, like he had three easy layups. Those those were hard shots. First of all, he kept getting the offensive rebound. So give him credit for keep going back up. You know, it's just... You know, I he also had Scotty right, and
0: Jordan and Horace in <laughs> surrounding him. Like those are athletic, great defenders. Like if
1: either one of those shots would have been hard to make. Let's right. put it that way. So, uh, but unfortunately, none of them went in. Uh, I, there was a shot that BJ got on me late in the game that I still haunts me to this day because uh, I was in help and I got picked off. So you know, you remember all that stuff. But the battles were amazing, and it was so physical. Uh, back then but it was fun like it wasn't trying to hurt anybody but we were right. giving you nothing
0: right and and you know it's 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 i didn't know you guys were up uh two games to zero i i didn't yeah. know that was uh i thought it was like you know a back and forth type thing i didn't know you guys were up two games oh going into uh you know going into chicago um yeah and, and it, are they the best team you've ever played is that the oh, best team yeah. That you yeah,
1: yeah by far like i i don't think they still get enough credit for their defense, um, when when Michael and and uh, Scotty they had this one two two press, which no one runs anymore. Uh, we we're actually doing it a little bit now ourselves because I I look at uh, Kawhi and PG very similar athletes, long and and, yeah. and, and with Treads on the floor, we could do it as well. But yeah. when they got you in a trap, it, it's it was the hardest defense I've ever had to face. I never like went to a game as a player thinking about somebody's defense, you know. Uh, when you went into the series with them, you were thinking about it. Like, we can't get trapped. I can't let Michael turn me and get trapped right. because you're not getting out of it. Um, so, yeah, they, they, it's the best team ever by far. Uh, the, 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 I, I will say the Celtics uh, with, with that front line of Mikael Parrish and Byrd was pretty tough as and, well. And
0: where would you put the, the Warriors with Kevin Durant?
1: Oh, right there right there. I mean, I would pick the Bulls mainly because of just their, their defensive uh, ability. Uh, the Rodman Bulls, uh, because you, so know, you would put,
0: put you'd put the Bulls with Rodman um, over, over, everybody, over, over, over every yeah. other team ever.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I would, uh, you know, I don't know the you know, the Lakers with magic and that group were pretty good. Uh, those have all been great series, but Michael is the differentiator to me. He separates it. Uh, you know, you put Scotty, uh, you know, on uh, on Durant, and Durant's still going to score because Durant is Durant. But you probably, I guess, they probably would have put Robin uh, actually on Durant because uh, Robin is—he's the other guy that's—it's so underrated. We always talk about his rebounding. Dennis Robin can guard one through five. Like he was—he was the greatest big man defender maybe ever. Uh, and then you got Scotty, who is known as the greatest defender ever, and you have Michael, who's known as one of the greatest defenders right. ever. Right. Uh, it would have been it have been a heck of a series, though. I don't think it, it wasn't, would have been wasn't 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 Ron
0: Harper a pretty pretty damn good defender?
1: Great defender, long arms, athletic. I mean, people.
0: Have, I think Ron Harper gets a lot of uh, he gets lost in the mix here, just especially he on defense. On defense, he, he was he was what made them athletic and long. Uh, I mean, remember, people don't remember Rod Harper was one of the guys in the dunk contest, Uh, you know, back when he was with the Cavs. He was a freak athlete, athlete,
1: long, high IQ. I mean, listen, that team was put together very well, uh, especially defensively. Uh, What makes me nuts is, you know, it's funny. I forgot. I lost time is the fact before that season started, they knew that they were going to get disassembled. Can you imagine a team that wins it? Like it, it's it's not. I'm
0: trying to watch this document, like, and I'm trying to just understand what was going through Jerry Krause and and just the management at that time. And I I don't understand what's the point of having a team if 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 you're winning. Why are you trying to disassemble? I guess it was because they knew Michael
1: was leaving. But Michael wasn't leaving. Michael was if if Phil Jackson coaches year seven, Michael Jordan is playing year seven. Yeah, you see that's what that, and,
0: and his last yeah. year, he averaged 28 points per game. That's when he yeah. retired. See, yeah. that just does not make sense to me. And I understand, you know, Michael even said the documentary, which was really actually cool. He's like, you know, he's talking about Pat Ewing being one of those guys like, I'm going to play till I can't play no more. He's like, I don't know what that means. I don't want to do that. He wanted to go out where he was still top dog. He did not want to play at a time where he wasn't considered the best anymore. I think he was just so competitive. He couldn't handle... Not playing, but I still think he had two or three years left of being the best. I I don't know.
1: Yeah, listen, they won a world championship. You can make the argument. So if they bring that same team back, who's going to beat them? Yeah, who won after he retired? Gosh, I was just trying to think that maybe the Spurs. Spurs? It was the Spurs, right? Yeah, it was that strike-shortened season. They beat the Knicks. So, um, you know, listen, could they they beat the Bulls? I, I, I don't think so. I don't know. No,
0: and just and just and just to, as a quick side note. Do you think whoever wins this championship will also have like a little like asterisk next to it? Like, I, just I like don't think that...
1: people. I don't think people care about asterisks who win. Like, okay. of course they are. Um, you know, but we did play seventy games already. So if we get to a playoffs, you know, the only way. Listen, somebody may get injured or something. Then that's an asterisk. But you can do that with any champion. Like, they won because this guy got hurt. They won. When you win the title, and I can say this, you win it. Like, everybody else had the same playing field that you had. Whoever wins it this year, um, um, they're going to earn it. There are no free championships given in the NBA.
0: That's actually, it's interesting to hear just from you. I just, because you hear this out. Like, you know, whoever wins this year doesn't count. I, I actually think the exact opposite. I was actually on air. I don't know who, what? interview I was doing the past week, but I was saying, whoever wins this, is this is one of the hardest ones to ever win. I said, uh, we're talking about it, we're playing it, 70 games and guys have to take two months off and then come back and try to, try to win again and get your chemistry back. I was like, whoever does this team truly had the best chemistry,
1: the best chemistry, the best work ethic, the best focus. I mean, you can make the, 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 uh, uh chance that this is the hardest one to win yeah. uh, in, in a lot of ways, because, part of winning a title is keeping your focus and teams that keep their focus throughout this whole time, they're going to deserve it. Uh, But listen, it's so hard to win. And so whoever does win, uh, you know, I always say that the people who say put an asterisk by it, they're the losers. The winners don't ever say put an asterisk by it. We want, because let me say this, if we win it, uh, we're going to have a parade. We're going to have a big trophy in our, in our case, and we're going to get rings. And then then on opening night the next year, we're going to let the banner go down. Right. You know, so whoever wins it, wins it. You,
0: uh, this summer, actually, um, you know, to transfer into this topic, this summer, you got a lot of heat or a lot of attention for saying, uh, you know, Jordan reminds you a lot of Kawhi Leonard to the point where yeah. you actually got fined about it.
1: Yeah, yeah it's nuts. And, and he does. And the point I was making that, that day was we were just talking about body types. Yeah, Like w- when you look at Jordan and you look at his hands, uh, Jordan, people don't talk about his hands. His hands were amazing. They were huge. Yeah. Very similar to Kawhi. When you look at Kawhi's body type, they have the same type of body. Uh, you look at their game, their in-between games, are lethal, both of them. So, you know, I wasn't saying, that, and you know how people are. It's a great example. People took that as a, like I was talking about LeBron or talking about Kobe. That had nothing to do with LeBron and Kobe.
0: You, you only got fined, and this is my opinion, due to the public pressure of Lakers fans um, because they wanted Kawhi Leonard uh, so bad. Uh, and I think their fan base, annoyingly controls so much of the media. I think to the point where uh, that became a thing where anything you said about Kawhi, anything, because Lakers fans think every free agent's coming there. They think Klay Thompson was going there. They thought Paul George is coming there. They think, and that's just what it is. And again, that's a credit to how passionate they are. I say this actually as a compliment to their fan base uh, in in how uh, passionate they are about their Lakers, but I think the pressure Anything you said that had to do with Quint, uh, with, with would have been viewed as tampering, or you trying to lure him in, uh, you know, whatever the case. Because this happened before the season, right? This happened before free agency, when you're allowed to say anything, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it it did, and I think that's the reason, though. To be honest, is that they they felt like it was tampering, you know. Right. And you're right, like I don't know where it came from, Laker fans. Toronto. I think it was, I think it
0: was Lakers and Toronto fans. I think Toronto yeah. wanted him back. I think it was public pressure from Toronto fans wanting Kawhi back, and Lakers fans thinking they're the only realistic team in LA because he had already publicly said LA's where he wants to come. So I think yeah. once that's said, you know, Lakers fans obviously view as it, you know, it being their city uh, and rightfully so. They have all the banners or whatever, but you know that's just what it was. I think those two teams and their the the media surrounding both of them. Put you in an uh, unfortunate position.
1: Yeah, it did. And, and I said it so innocently, but I, you know what, listen, at the end of the day, it all worked out because we got Kawhi. Uh, yeah, you did. <laughs> and, and, and at the end of the day, and I didn't mean it in any other way than being complimentary. Yeah. Uh, and, and you and really again, do see, you see him very similar to him still? I, I do. Very same makeup, like very, really, Michael would, would set Michael apart, in my opinion, from everyone else, uh, and, and Kawhi has the same quality as he ain't trying to be your friend, right? Like, he's trying to win. Uh, he ain't trying to be popular. He's trying to win. It's about winning. Like that drives him. Um, uh, and it's that way in practice. It's that way with the guys, you know, you see so many like watching this documentary even drives the point home even more, you know, um, all these guys, like they had this killer in them and, and Michael uh, was the alpha alpha. Right. Uh, But there's been several guys like that. I would say Kobe had a lot of that, you know, like, uh, and then I would say Kawhi like has a lot of that. It's just, it's just an innate thing about them that they're really not worried about being liked. Right. They're worried about being respected.
0: And you, you would put Kawhi and Kobe probably closest to Michael in terms of that aspect? In that
1: aspect, yeah. 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 And, and, and the just, athletic aspect, I would put LeBron as the uh, best athlete. Like, yeah. uh, I, don't, I don't think there's ever been a better, not, and Michael was a super athlete, so it was Kobe, so was Kawhi. I don't know if there's ever been a uh, athlete in our league. Like I don't LeBron think, James. I don't think it's sports. I, I don't think it's, yeah. sports. it's been anything like yeah, LeBron I, it's James. It's funny. You're right. Like, I really believe if LeBron James had to play football, he may have been the greatest football player ever at whatever position, right. uh, if he could catch. Right, I mean, right. I don't know. right, 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 <laughs> right, right. right, right. <laughs> or defense. But he was um, a guy,
0: yeah. he had every offer in high school. He had every uh, to go to, he had Ohio State. I mean, he was a top tier recruit in, in high school for football.
1: Well, so, I mean, laugh. could you imagine as a high school kid, as a senior? LeBron James with a helmet on? Like, that, yeah. that's, like, dangerous. <laughs> yeah. I, would have, I would have given him the ball. Like, if he was a defense. <laughs> right. I would have just, him dude. He, he is, he's a big. Yeah, he you is. You know, Carl, here's the thing. When someone asked me about LeBron, say so "Explain to me why he's so dominant. I said, okay, he weighs 10 pounds more than Carl Malone. Carl Malone was a power forward. Right. And was looked upon as the biggest, strongest guy in the league. LeBron James weighs ten pounds more than him at the small forward, moving at the speed that he moves at. Yeah, um, that explains LeBron, LeBron James in a nutshell.
0: Right, right. And Would you put if you had to put like your Mount Rushmore of top top five players? LeBron's obviously in there. Would you yeah. put him? Would you put him two under Michael? Because you obviously you said you alluded you alluded earlier that Michael's number one.
1: Yeah, Michael's one to me. Um, and then the two, three, four, five. Like to me, they like I don't love doing this as you know, because I think it's, they're all great. Uh, you know, the, the guy that I think, and, and LeBron would be on that Mount Rushmore, obviously, but the guy that I think that people don't give enough due to is Kareem. I, I don't think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar gets enough credit. When you think about, he was on the all-defensive team, uh, I think 11 straight years. He, 17-time he, uh, All-Star. Um, he has a shot. That every kid that's over 6'6 six, six have tried to do, right. and no one's been able to do it. Right. Uh, he was lethal. I don't think he gets enough due.
0: I should have said starting five because I think well, Mount Rushmore is only four. Um, yeah. So. Uh, I,
1: that's impressive. You know that. Like,
0: yeah, you know, I, you know, listen, man. I,
1: yeah, I, yeah, education, Winter Park education <laughs> is coming through. I'm very happy about
0: this. I went to Duke for for about four months, but in those four months, <laughs> yeah, I I, I, I learned quite a bit, man. I took ping, I took ping pong, I took ping pong, and a bunch of other great electives <laughs> that got me through. But uh, yeah, I, I figured you know that would be your list. I always like asking guys who played from your era, um, you know, what would be your top five? Because you obviously like it's easy for guys or people like me because I only grew up in this era, so the only yeah. guy we really know about is Michael, and then guys. Like us will put magic in there and burden it just because we feel like we have to. It's like yeah. when you ask who's our top five rappers, a lot of guys in our, in my generation is going to say Tupac Biggie, but they don't, they don't really know Tupac Biggie music. They just do it because they feel like they're supposed to, um, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just so, like,
1: yeah, if I had a starting five, I, I'm going Kareem at the center because I'm going that way. Right. A starting five. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm going um, Tim Duncan at the four. Uh, because those both are two-way players. Yeah, Um, I'm going uh, Michael and Magic at the one and two. This may be the biggest team ever. Uh, And then LeBron at the three.
0: So you realize just in terms of, because you're going with a whole different style of basketball because there's there's not any three-point shooting on this team. I mean, obviously Michael's capable and so is... So was Kobe and 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 Magic, but they weren't like lethal three point shooters at any time in the career. No,
1: but I'm also going with a team, the smallest guy is six seven.
0: That's true. Yeah. I mean you guys are just good luck. Yeah, yeah. I I mean,
1: oof. I'm trying to think what my top
0: five would be, and I don't even know. I'd have to have time to
1: But if you wanted to put the shooting five, you know, uh, someone asked me that the other day. What's your top five shooter? uh, if you had to do it in a lineup, like as, as a starting lineup.
0: Oh yeah. That's uh, a great
1: question. You know, it'd be an interesting question. Cause now you have to change. Like who would the five be? I would put Dirk at the five.
0: <laughs> Dirk at the five.
1: Yeah. Uh, put Dirk at the five, uh, I would put, um, um, uh, who did I say? Durant at the three, um, uh, Steph at the point. Because that's what you would need. I would actually put Kobe in there because his ability to drive right. at the two. You right. know, now that whole team changes, and at the four, I couldn't even come up with one. There's a thousand of them at the. Four.
0: With so with shooting, with because you're talking about st- starting five shooting, you're, you're not putting Ray yeah. Allen in there.
1: Yeah, Ray is a better shooter than than Kobe. Kobe right. as far as just pure shooting. Right. Uh, But I was looking at Kobe because he could drive the ball as well. And Ray, Ray was an underrated driver, by the way. Like, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. People, people always talk about Ray shooting, but the biggest play that Ray made with the Celtics is in that 24-point comeback was two drives out uh, right. to the basket. Ray was so much better off the dribble than people ever gave him credit for.
0: Kobe was obviously not as a great shooter as Ray Allen, but he could definitely hit a wider variety of shots than Ray. I mean, he has the best mid-range one-on-one package.
1: This is what I would say with Kobe and the Pauls. They took a lot of tough shots, right? Yeah. But if you put them on a team where they're taking easy shots, uh, where a lot of their shots could be spot up, it'd be interesting to see how great of a shooter they were. Like the Klay Thompson's of the world, they're they're taking great shots because through ball movement, But if you put Kobe on a team with other great players, and now he didn't have to force shots, it'd be interesting how how his percentage would go up. Right.
0: Out. Yeah, that's a good point. I've never even heard, I've never even thought of it like that. Because I guess they did always have to take tough shots if you put him on a team with other, I mean, you saw how Kevin Durant was when he played with that Warriors team, just that he was on, obviously he was unstoppable before that. But even with the Warriors, because you had so many more weapons, he was getting no, more open was, looks. It,
1: it was, was unguardable. Like yeah. you, you watched our playoff series So in Game One last year, we put pad on them and it was terrific. We were doing a good job as well as you can do. Right. And then, uh, but Steph and uh, Clay destroyed us. So then we come up with this stupid plan. I don't know who the coach was. Uh, (laughs) Like let's let's guard Kevin one on one and and just take the medicine. Right. Well, listen, we we stretched Golden State last year, but Kevin Durant averaged forty. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Like we couldn't stop him. So, you know, that's my point. Like, you put some of these great players with other great players where they don't have to make every play, I would be – their shooting percentages would skyrocket.
0: Right. And then and, and just kind of piggybacking off what you just said about Kevin, would, would Kevin be – or which player, I guess, would be the hardest to game plan for? Which player do you have to game plan the most for? When you guys get ready to play a game, which, which, which player does you and the coaching staff have to, like, really be like, all right, man, this one is – you know, which one gives you guys the most props?
1: Well, obviously LeBron, uh, okay. because he's such a great passer uh, and, and playmaker. Uh, so you have to deal with the scoring, the playmaking. Uh, Durant is right there. But, you know, Steph, you, you, have to, you have to game plan for Steph Curry. Like, if you don't, he's going to hurt you. Right. And, and so going into the game, you have to know what you have to try to take away from him or at least try you know, Giannis, the way he plays, you know what you have to do, it's just hard right. to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, but he may be the hardest in some ways. He's the simplest as far as game planning. He's the hardest to stop, you know, which is interesting. Cause you gotta get with Giannis, you gotta get guys with the courage and stand in there and take right. the fire, you know, because he's coming at you. 100%. Uh and then James Harden is maybe the best one on one offensive player, uh just pure one-on-one. Uh I mean, I don't know. If, if you see him every day. Yeah. And he does some incredible stuff. Uh, but uh, a lot of it is one-on-one.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's definitely one of the probably the greatest one-on-one players ever uh in terms of scoring. I I've never seen anybody be able to score the ball like him.
1: Or, or um, the greatest that's been allowed. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's like, true. That's true. <laughs> you, you know if you if you allow if you allow Michael to do it that way or or Durant i mean how good would they be so but he is James is a monster like i think with him people don't realize how strong he is i think you yeah. you were probably surprised by that
0: i was i was surprised of how heavy he is just in terms of uh, his body weight his step backs people think it's just you know all handles and movement a lot of it's just his body weight bouncing defenders off of him uh he has a variety of in his bag but what, what, what separates him i think from everybody else is his ability to shoot the long ball and 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 finish at the paint. as floaters passing um again with other guys and yeah he's special in that regard for sure changing uh topics real quick i I got a couple more questions for you and i'll get you out of here pops Um, one I would really like to to ask you is uh just kind of celebrating his legacy. Uh 2020 has obviously been a very tough year for for all of us, especially people mm-hmm. like you, uh and and other coaches and players who got only to play with him but coach against him. That's Kobe Bryant. Um, you know, what what's your favorite memory of him and and uh, how will you always remember Kobe Bryant?
1: Uh, God, I have so many of them. Uh I'll tell you two quick ones. You know, um His death was hard for everybody, uh, and especially living in L.A. And it just it still saddens me to this day. Uh, But the the two that I remember the most, I have a lot of Kobe Bryant stories. Uh, You know, the the first one uh, with with Kobe is when we beat them in 2008. And and, you know, if you there's a little clip that shows me and Kobe hugging and I'm talking to him. And he's crying. You know, you can see the tears in his eyes. And the tears, though, I remember walking in the locker room. I was like, those were not, those were sad tears. But w- what I remember most, those were tears like, if we get another shot at you guys, I'm going to try to kill you. I mean, that's how I felt, even wow. in that moment. Like, you can feel like him sad and determined. Like his head, he was already, thinking at that moment about next year already. And that told me exactly, like, I'm thinking, man, this guy is a killer. That's who he is. Uh, the other one is in that same game. And this is how much you feared Kobe. You remember, uh, you were at that game. It's, it's funny. I just watched the game, and it's cool. The last, like, minute, you were standing next to me on the floor when we were about to win the World Championship, which yeah. is a cool moment for a father. Which is crazy now that that kid standing next to me is in the NBA. But with like five minutes left in that game, I think we were literally up 41 points. Yeah. And Tom Thibodeau, who who, you know, Tibbs, Tibbs Tibbs is not serving anybody at the end of the game. Right, right, right. I still have the starting lineup on the floor. We're up 40 with five minutes left. And Tom comes walking down. You know, I'm standing by the scores table and he says, hey, are you going to sub out, guys, at any, any point? Like, we're, we're going to win this game. You know, that's a, that's a relaxed Tom Thibodeau. And I turned to him. And I said, as long as that guy is still on the floor, I'm not subbing anybody out. When Phil right. takes Kobe out, I'm taking Paul out. It's funny. We're up wow. 40, <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and I'm still worried about Kobe Bryant. It that's just made crazy. no sense. But it just told you the fear you had about Kobe Bryant because he was that lethal.
0: That's crazy. I mean, that's like, that's really crazy. That night for me, obviously, I was so young. Uh, it's just such a blur. I just remember the, f- I, and I couldn't even fathom what was really going on. I didn't know how big of a deal a championship was. I just knew it was a great thing. You know, I was, I think, like yeah. 12, 13. I, so I just knew it was a big deal. I just, you know, now that I've, I've played seven years, I know how hard it is. Uh, actually, I guess you could put it, I don't know how hard it is. I've never won. Um, you, so you have that idea of just how, much basketball, I, I think the, I realized how hard it is to win a championship or how crazy it is, is when I would go to the playoffs, obviously it was with you, with the Clippers or here in Houston, you know, we go the second round uh, and then we lose. And then it felt like an eternity later, the playoffs are still going on. Like it'd be like two months later, I'm on like a month later, but it felt like three months and I'd be like, it's crazy. Teams are still playing basketball. There are two teams no, it, still it, left. It, like, I mean, it's the, nuts.
1: It's I, nuts, Austin. It's uh, so the first time in two thousand eight, uh, I remember when we were in LA for Game Three or whatever, and we used actually the Clippers' practice facility, the practice stand. And I remember leaving the practice one day and seeing players, NBA players, going in. They were starting the pickup games to get prepared for next season, and we're still playing. Wow! I mean, I was thinking that's what people don't get. They, people, when, when people say, well, they got to win a title or they should win. People have no clue. They, they literally don't. They, they have no clue how hard it is to win and how lucky you have to be and how the team has to come. It It takes so much and you have to get it right. Otherwise you don't win.
0: Yeah. That's incredible, man. And obviously you guys went back to back years there. Uh, going against the Lakers, which will go down as some of the best series that ever happened. I mean, the Celtics-Lakers rivalry extends all the way back then. So um, I was just lucky enough to have a front row seat to watch you uh, yeah. and, and that team go through that. It's, a, it's And it's an amazing experience. We're going to wrap this up with um, just some rapid fire questions, man. Just a couple, only like four or five. Uh, best player you've ever played with?
1: Oh, uh, Patrick Ewing. Uh, Patrick Ewing. Rock- Patrick Ewing, but Patrick Ewing is my man. Hardest player you ever had to guard? Well, Michael would be hard. It's uh, Magic for me uh, because of his size. He was just too big. Like, he shouldn't have been a guard.
0: Really? So, so Magic Johnson was the hardest player to guard? For me,
1: just because of his size.
0: Yeah. Now, I'm going to actually create my own question off of that. What was one player that was so hard for you to guard that people don't talk about? Or like people that... Oh,
1: oh. Ricky Pierce. Ricky Pierce. Ricky Pierce... He had my number. Like it was, it got to the point on the Hawks after the game, after he had 30 or whatever against me. The teammates on my locker room, because I was a defensive plan dude. Right. Uh, but I remember Dominique would laugh about it because he loved it, you know, and, and you know how teams are. Right, right, he's right, hit, right. He, we get on the bus and he's like, Kryptonite for Doc. Ricky Pierce (laughs) used to say it all the time.
0: (laughs) I'm gonna be honest. I don't even mean to be. I'm. I kind of act like I don't know who Ricky Pierce is.
1: Yeah, Ricky Pierce was a uh, two, three, strong as an ox. Played with the Bucks. Played with other teams. Uh, Was very similar for you. You remember Benny Johnson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, He he was very similar to like the Benny Johnson mode. Uh, He was stronger than me. I was stronger than most guys. Uh, He would beat you up like. He was just a tough guy. He had, I don't know, sometimes I believe in body rhythms. I yeah. just could not get his rhythm. He I couldn't stop the dude. It bothered me. Um he was be he would be the one that you don't know that I couldn't stop.
0: Yeah, I've always told people Kevin Martin was a guy that when I was my first couple of years in the league and that was on his way, that wasn't even like prime Kevin Martin. He was just yeah, he was tough. Such though. a a quirky guard. Quirky. Um, yeah, just he was, was he was hard to guard. Um Player, Playing or coaching? Which one is more fulfilling for you?
1: Coaching. And I never thought I would say that uh, because I grew up wanting to be a player. You know, I had no thoughts of everyone to coach. I grew up wanting to be a player. And now I love coaching because for me, I can touch more people. Like okay. I, I can. Uh, so it'd be coaching.
0: And when did you, just for my personal curiosity, when did you decide, like, or when did you really start to feel like, you know, I want to coach? Because, like, I got asked this question the other day. Everybody was like, I don't know if you saw that. People were like, do you see yourself coaching? I said, well, prior to this, I, this whole career, my whole career, I've never thought, like, nah, it's not for me. I don't know if I have the patience. I don't know if I have that that skill in me uh, to coach. But over the, you know, I'd say the past year or so, that's something that, again, it's not like, I'm obviously only 27 and very young. Yeah, you
1: have, you have some time. It's
0: it is something that is like actually now maybe I could see myself maybe getting into that down the line again. Opinions change. I don't know what's going to happen. It's a while from now, but uh, just interesting to see when that changed for you, Pat
1: Riley. Pat Riley. Yeah, like I never won the coach, but then I, I played for the Knicks and and Pat Riley and just listened to him. His pregame talks, man, he was unbelievable, and he he inspired you. Like I I always thought like. Never thought about coaching, but then when I got to him, I was like, man, I want to I do this. This guy's amazing. Uh, so I would say when I joined the Knicks.
0: Okay. Which player have you learned from the most while coaching? Uh, Kevin Garnett.
1: Yeah, um, I would say there's, there's several of them. Uh, but Kevin would lead the pack. Just his ability to change the culture of your team. Uh, he's demanding with his players, his teammates, and with the coaching staff. Uh, in, in some ways, so I would say Kevin Garnett for sure.
0: That's what I thought. I, I, I was for sure going to say I, if I had to put a guess, I was going to say either Paul or, or, or Kevin, one of the two. Yeah. um All right, and then lastly, uh what's the one game player or coach uh that still keeps you up at night, or the one that you just can't get
1: over? Well, you're never over it. Uh, uh, 2010 Game Seven Lakers. That's, that's what I figured. Uh, that's what I figured for, for sure. And then, you know what, another one is I, I, um, the uh, Rocket game when we when he had a big lead with the Clippers. Ugh, that's, um, that would be mine. That's, that's my game. Yeah, yeah. So those are the two for me because the Rocket uh-uh. game, There's you know, listen, the game plan was right. We made Corey Brewer and Josh Smith make threes, right. and right. they did. Uh, <laughs> right. But uh, offensively, I always thought, like, we couldn't score against a, a team that wasn't a great defensive team anymore. And I look back on that, like, I would love to have that one over.
0: Yeah, shout out, shout out to C. Brew and uh, and Jay Smooth, man. They, they, they. Yeah. They. they uh, uh, who would have thought? Uh, obviously, they both you know had great careers, but weren't specifically known as three point shooters. shooters. But I don't yeah, know how I many think, they both hit. But yeah, that game was. I think still they, to they the made day.
1: four and five. I want to say in the fourth. I mean, it's it's nuts what they did. But give them credit, they uh, they did get shots uh, and made them all.
0: Yeah, that was that's that game to this day? Cause I felt like that was before, that was before the Warriors became the Warriors. And no, I felt listen, like,
1: listen, w- we, we had beat the Warriors a year before. Right. So, or, or the first year. So uh, we were ready. I don't know if we would have beaten the Warriors or not, but I wanted that. I wanted that matchup so bad uh, to get in the Western finals, us against the Warriors. I thought that would have been a great series. Yeah,
0: that, me too. Me too. That would have been special, man. I, I've always wanted to, obviously I got to last year, uh, with the, uh, with the Rockets actually. Um, and we dropped the ball on that, you know, Kevin got hurt game six, uh, and then we had or game five and we had them without Kevin, uh, and we weren't able to close the deal. So.
1: Yeah. I was sitting in the stands in that one. Yeah. So you were watching that game. That was different. Yeah, that was yeah. different.
0: I thought, I thought we had it, but they came out and yeah, you know, obviously changed. That was crazy.
1: The game. I had a, I had a beer in my hand watching, watching you play basketball. Yeah. How, was, was, that? how was that? How was
0: that? That was your first time ever doing that. Right. Was that ever. your first time ever. ever coming to a game, watching a playoff game where you're not in it?
1: Yeah, ever. Uh, I'm just sitting there and talking to the Golden State fans. And when I went to Houston, talking to Houston fans, sitting in the crowd. I actually love the experience of sitting in the crowd. It, it's a cool thing. It, it, it really kind of, you, you forget, because you're playing, Austin, and we're playing, you, you forget how much the fans are invested into your team. And right. watching the Golden State fans and the Rocket fans I mean, they were living, sitting there, like with every miss, they were reacting and going crazy. And I was thinking, this is really a cool experience.
0: And that's what's going to be so interesting if we do come back, just to lastly say this. If we do play this, there's going to be no fans. Uh, Yeah, And it's going to be so crazy to see how that affects. Because now there's no more, there's not a home court advantage. There's just not. Um, you know, uh, if there's, if there isn't allowed fans to be in the arena that, that energy, that atmosphere, if you're down 20, it's, it's going to feel like 50 because like fans can bring you back. You know what I mean? It's like you hit a couple shots, that energy. Now you can only rely on your teammates. Uh, I free throw percentages will go up. Uh, uh, there's so much, a variety of things that will change. Um, if there's no fans, you know, in the I,
1: I, I think it will, I don't know who it, it will affect more, like, uh, but it'll definitely be, a, it'll be an AU yeah. game uh, w- when you're in some of those gyms and without parents. Right. It'll be an AU game without parents. Right. You know, I was jokingly telling somebody from the league, the other thing you better get is uh, the officials better put earplugs in because oh, they're going yeah, to that- hear things that they never heard in their <laughs> life. You know, before, you know, ah! like even, even me, like, I'm on the officials uh, but not, I'm just I'm just constantly talking Right that's right, just, right 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 But but with me like sitting on the bench sometimes an official will make a call and I'll turn to my coach and that's an awful call. Well, they didn't hear that. Right. Now they're going to they're going to hear everything.
0: Oh, it's going to be it, it's going to have to be, be it's going to have to players the restraint, they're going to have Cause it, you're absolutely right. I mean, we say stuff to half the time. We say stuff loud enough to where we feel like we can get our frustration out on them, but we know they can't hear it. Um, exactly. Yeah. Now that's now it's, you know, so yeah, that'll be, that'll be crazy. Obviously will be uh, crazy. it will be the most viewed games though ever. I mean, uh, on TV, ever. everybody's going to watch ever. these games, but uh, anyways, man, I just wanted to close this up. Uh, I, I want to appreciate you for and foremost pops for coming on here. Uh, I know it's, it's a uh, crazy times right now. Obviously we talk just about every other day, keeping in touch, but yeah, uh, Thank you for coming on here. And uh, this is my return episode will go off. I've been long overdue putting one of these out there. So who who better to do it than with you? So I appreciate you taking time and coming
1: on the show. Well, love you, man. Give uh, Caden a big hug for me since for you, sure. you get to be home with my grandson and, and I can't be there. So yep. uh, just give him a big hug.
0: I got you, man. I got you. Stay safe. Oh man, that was that was, that was was great. Uh, that was great to have my pops on the show. A uh, lot of great conversation in that. Uh, and a lot of questions that I've actually personally never asked him that were answered for all of us to hear together. So uh, that was pretty dope. Uh, as promised during this lockdown, like I told you guys, I will be dropping episodes with special guests every Wednesday. So make sure you tune in. Uh, make sure to subscribe and rate the show five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this podcast. Also, share the show on Twitter with hashtag go off. If you tag me at Austin River 25 and at uninterrupted, we will retweet. Uh, I will be back next week with a brand new guest. So uh, stay tuned. And until then, I'm out.